2: You're listening to Tom and Bach on 937 the Ticket and the TicketFM.com. Welcome back. It is Tom and Bach. 937 the Ticket and the TicketFM.com. How you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling alright. A little nervous for the Friday basketball game and all. Uh big announcement. To Cam Newton has signed with the Carolina Panthers. It's official. It is official. Sam Darnold, who was pretty good in the first three games, just suddenly became Sam Darnold again. He remembered that his name is Sam Darnold, and he started to play like him. Uh, and then he started got injured. Uh, so he's out for several weeks, and now they've got Cam Newton. So That's, that's
3: interesting because, you know, obviously he won an MVP there and everything, but Matt Rule wasn't there for, the, for that, so this is no. a new staff bringing him back. Isn't
2: that more of the offense, though, that Matt Rule was running at Baylor? Uh, I mean, a, a, a dual threat type of guy. Yeah, uh, kind of so and we'll see how it works out. But that's uh, kind of the big news of the day. Uh, but we do talk a lot of uh, college football. And with that, we welcome in Robin Washit of HuskerOnline.com. Hi, Robin. How are you?
4: What's
2: up, guys? How much? We were just uh, talking about this. Scott Frost, of course, uh, there were several comments that stood out from uh, talking to the media yesterday. But the one about special teams, he talked about it being a possibility that he would hire a full-time special teams coordinator. And then he added once again, which he said before, it's not the specialists it's it's not the special team so much as the specialists. Do you agree with that?
4: Um I mean, that's accurate to an extent. Uh, I mean, he <laughs> saw the the kicking game wasn't nearly an issue last year as it was this year because the the guy they brought in to kick made the field goals, and this year he didn't. and so clearly that was a pretty dramatic shift in how you evaluate the the kicking game, and then obviously the punting. Um, you know i they haven't really given up really big returns uh when the ball is punted correctly, but you're still getting those thirteen yard shanks that uh you just you leave your head scr- scratching your head uh wondering how there could be that you know dramatic of performance uh, one way or the other where he's booming sixty yarders and then you know shanking off the side of his foot for a you know net ten yard gain. so uh, I do think there's something to be said for that, but you know this is also the staff that brought in all these specialists and so uh, they're, they're partly or just as much to blame as anyone. So if they are going to remain status quo, you better find a way to identify your specialists through the transfer portal or recruiting front a whole lot better than you have been. Because um, if you're going to blame the execution on the players is why your special teams have struggled. It's your job to go get players that are going to execute.
3: Well, and of course, if, if you do have a special teams, a, full, a full-time dedicated special teams coach, you kind of have to take away from something, and that's why there was kind of the idea is maybe Scott Frost could be the quarterback coach, but as of now, he, isn't, he hasn't shut off that, but he's kind of saying that they're kind of focusing in on that CEO role. What, what part of Scott Frost's history would make you think that a CEO role is correct for him more than kind of a, a positional coach or, or, you know, kind of to, to focus more on the grand scheme of things rather than to help out with the quarterbacks?
4: I mean, I think it's just the nature of the, the job. I mean, you're the, the head coach of a Big Ten school, uh, and you can't devote all of your attention or 90% of your attention to one side of the football. Uh, you, you got to take ownership of everything, and you got to make sure that all three phases are being coached and um, taught the right way. And maybe he's done that to an extent, but clearly uh, your job's on the line. So you better have your fingerprints on every element of your football team. I think that's kind of what this whole conversation about being a quote-unquote CEO is about is, uh, you know, this this is your last chance to get it right. So you better make sure that you're involved in every meeting, uh, making sure that you know what's going on with, you know, defensive game plans, special teams preparations, as well as what the offensive script is going to look like. And so I think that that, I mean, I, I just remember how vivid, or many times over the last three years where, uh, you know, you'd ask Scott about, uh, you know, the opposing team's offense and he really wouldn't have much to tell you because he's only been studying the opposing defenses and, and working on the offensive game plan for Nebraska so I think that's uh as much as anything just having a a better sense of uh what's going around on around the entire team as opposed to just one phase of the game
2: He's Robin Washington of HuskerOnline.com. One of the criticisms, criticisms of Scott Frost uh, coming from UCF was that he brought everybody, uh, something like that, that you're keeping the whole staff intact. But then there was a learning curve to the Big Ten. Uh, he obviously had a relationship with Matt Lubick when he hired him. Uh, do you expect it, that offensive coordinator to be somebody like Mark Helfridge, for example, that he has a connection with? Or does he go outside uh, the people that he knows? You
4: know, I wish I could say, but history suggests that there's going to be some form of a relationship there, and we talked about it this week. He mentioned trust about five different times in his answer about what he was going to do with that offensive coordinator spot. So, it's hard to trust somebody you don't know, and so I I think that's probably going to give you an indication that it's not going to be this, you know, completely outside hire where he's never even said a word to the guy before the interview process. It's going to be somebody that he knows that has a familiar uh, idea of what they want the offense to be uh, as, as Scott Frost does. And so they can be on the same page and uh, you know kind of hit the ground running as opposed to trying to get to know each other on the fly uh, while trying to get ready for a critical do or die season. So uh, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, like I said, this totally out of left field hire. It's going to be somebody that Scott knows and believes that, is going to give him the best opportunity to to turn this program uh, around in the manner that he needs to in order to keep his job.
3: And, of course, most of the focus being you know focused on on next year, but there's still two games left. How do you kind of envision those those two final games looking? Of course, we know they, they've kind of uh, brushed in some other guys to be the the, the, the full-time head coaches or interim uh, full-time uh, position coaches there. Um do you expect this to to look kind of like it has throughout the season or do you expect uh, the new coaches and, and, and kind of different ideas heading toward the end of the season?
4: Yeah. I mean, I would imagine any dramatic shifts, you know, they're bringing in guys that were already on staff doing what they'd been doing all season. So I, I'd imagine just be kind of a continuation of the same message, um, you know, the, the same formula and just try to get through this year as competitively as possible. Um, you know, it's it's hard for everybody. I mean, especially for the players that just lost their position coach. Now you got, uh, you know, a new figurehead of your your group that's you know running the show day to day. So how well they're able to kind of compartmentalize their emotions and stay on task with preparing for two of the most physical defenses in the Big Ten Conference, um, you know, that's gonna tell a lot about how these next two weeks or yeah, these next two games go. Um, right now, I don't know. I mean, they're saying all the right things again, but we'll see kind of how next week goes and if that message is uh, still believable or not. And, again, we won't know anything until they actually take the field. Um, in a hostile environment against a Wisconsin team that uh, you know they've never won there, and Wisconsin's starting to play some good football, and they're competing for a West title, so it's not going to be easy. Uh, and how well um, this team is able to continue to handle adversity, and now facing the most adversity they've had yet this season, uh, will will truly define what these next two games are. There's opportunity to get some positive momentum going into the off season if you're able to beat either one of these two teams. You know, that accomplishes something you haven't done in a long time and is able to snap some losing streaks to your direct division rival. So there is value to be had with these next two games, but uh, Nebraska better be locked in and, and ready to go more than they ever have if they're going to do it.
2: Robin Washington of com. I do want to switch to basketball, and to yesterday actually was signing day, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But Nebraska coming off a tough loss, 75-74 to Western Illinois at home. But there are you know close games throughout college basketball. Rutgers barely beat Lehigh. Probably should have lost that game. And you know Michigan 10 over Buffalo, which is not a bad program. But you're seeing close games throughout college basketball to even close games. Do you take that as maybe a little comfort or – this was a really bad loss to Western Illinois.
4: Well, as far as NCAA tournament seating and being on the bubble is concerned, it is a really bad loss. Uh, I mean, maybe Western Illinois surprises everybody and is a dark horse and, and wins the summit. But, you know, right now, they were the 311th rated team in Ken Palm, and Nebraska just lost that home to them. So that is it's a bad loss, no matter how you want to draw it up. I guess if you want to find a silver lining, Uh, you know, there were nine other teams in college basketball that lost their season openers, uh, in by games, uh, on Tuesday night, Nebraska was one of those, uh, Virginia top 25 teams. They lost at home to Navy. uh, Ohio state, uh, you know, they, they got taken to overtime by Akron. So, you know, it's it's not like Nebraska is the only high major program that struggled out of the gates, but the question is, how are they going to respond? I mean, that's. That was a frustrating game in a lot of senses. Um, you know, you can point to a lot of different things, and they probably win that game, and they're able to learn from a win instead of a you know really devastating loss. But you know, here they are. Uh, you're zero and one out of the gates for the second time in three years, and now you got to find a way to, to kind of process it and regroup and, and get back to work against the Sam Houston State team that is going to present just as much challenge in Nebraska's biggest weaknesses. Um, that Western Illinois did. They're an extremely aggressive rebounding team. They crash the board with four guys after every shot, uh, and they play uh, really intense on-ball defense and create a lot of turnovers and disrupt your flow offensively. So, you know, there's uh, they, they better find a way to improve in those areas quickly. Otherwise, you're going to, just like two years ago, uh, have the same result of losing two straight bye games to start the year. So, uh the message uh, kind of from the player leaderships appeared to be good. We talked to the guys today, Trey McGowan and Fred Hoiberg, uh, after practice, and they said that, you know, that the guys handled it as well as you probably could have expected. But, you know, just like football, we won't know how much that message actually hammered home until uh, they go out there and, and take the court, and we'll see if they play with uh, any semblance more of uh, want to and fight on the glass than they did on Tuesday
3: night. Yeah, it's hard to believe there's a must-win game, second game in the season, but it already kind of <laughs> feels that way. Uh, but I did want to ask you, too, about the uh, the fall signing period. No surprises, but Nebraska did sign uh, four new guys for their class coming in next year. Uh, how, how's the class look?
4: I mean, I, I guess it depends on where you look. I think Rivals has them at 30th. I don't know where they are with the other services. So, you know, they're right on the cusp of being uh, in in that top 25 conversation. Uh, we'll see how it finishes out in the spring, but, uh, you know, they got four new signees, like you mentioned, and um, all four of them bring a little something different to the table. Where, you uh, Jamarcus Lawrence, kid from Roseville Catholic in New Jersey, he's an elite level shooter, um, who I think is one of the more underrated players uh, in, in the 2022 class. He kind of gets overshadowed a little bit because he's playing alongside a guy named Simeon Wiltshire, but uh, you know, Nebraska's really excited about him. Um, Blaze Kada. He's a six foot 11 uh, number one junior college player in the country who just won a national championship last year, uh, who's going to bring immediate uh, impact with his size, defensive presence, and rebounding. So you want to talk about all the issues they had last night. Help is uh, eventually going to be on the way in that regard. Uh, and then Ramel Lloyd, uh, the kid from Sierra Canyon. Uh, he, Fred today called him um, as that when he shows up on campus next summer, he will be as versatile of a player as they have on their roster uh, with his ability to play one through four um, in any given moment. Uh, they really like uh, just his skill set with his size, the strength, um, and then obviously his offensive uh, prowess. So uh, they really like him. And then Denim Dawson might be the most interesting of them because he's going to be an in- early enrollee. Uh, he was originally a 2021 recruit, decided to take a post grad year at Southern California Academy. Uh, got accomplished what he needed to accomplish this fall by getting the, you know, Nebraska offer and committing. And so he decided to not waste any more time and finish out the post grad year and just enroll early at Nebraska. He'll be here on December 27th and be able to, uh, you know, practice every day with the team, travel with the team, uh, to road games and kind of just get uh, a head start on his college development that I think will be really valuable for him. So, like I said, a lot of different. Pieces with this group, and um, I'm interested to see how they finish things out after um, you know the inevitable roster attrition that happens uh, at the end of the season, and and how Nebraska continues to hit the transfer portal.
2: I I guess that was what I was going to ask. They're not done, right? Even though they're two over, you expect certain guys to leave, and they're not done recruiting.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, like they're going to have spots to fill. Uh, Trey Trey McGowan's has said publicly this is his last year. I would expect this to be Latman's last year. We'll see what Derek Walker wants to do. Um, And then Bryce McGowan's, like I retweeted today, was just projected to be 20th overall in the NBA draft. So odds are he probably won't be back. So they're going to have spots to fill. It's just a matter of how many, um, but... It's Nebraska and Matt Abdalmasih. The transfer portal is always open and always yeah. locked in, and so they will be ready with for whatever comes.
2: How about another big that can rebound at a high level? Uh, I'll take two to go. Uh, good yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, you know they,
4: they they use some of that, but you know it's not just about size. I, I get it. It's about it. one. It's about I, one too. I, like I they got it. plenty of tall dudes. Wilhelm Breidenbach didn't get a single rebound. Yep. He's six eleven. Yep. So what? it's it's a mentality thing.
2: Well, wow. yeah, and we were just saying that. Box said it in the postgame game show. Uh, Lonzo, your, one of your smaller guys, had 13 rebounds. So it's not about necessarily height. It's about want to, as you just said. Good stuff, uh, Robin. We'll talk to you again next week. Yep, we'll see you guys. Uh, Robin Washington of HuskerOnline.com. Let's get to break. Come back with Rico and the blog jog next. You're listening to Tom and Bach. Watch live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch.